Welcome to the Bald Guy Beer Review, episode 10. We're finally in double digits. Um, I don't really know what to call this one, so we're just going to go double digits. Real real nice on that. How do you feel about it, Alan? That was some clever, clever thinking, Chris. Good job. All right. So today on the Bald Guy Beer Review, we have a special guest. His name is Seth Tardiff. He works over at 603 Brewery. Seth has worked most jobs in the beer industry, if not pretty much all. Um, he brews, he does quality checks, he cans, he sellers. Um, and the website, I believe, still says that you yodel. I don't know if that's true. Uh, everything you just said is true, except for the yodeling. I'm not really good at that. Yeah, see, I figured I figured as much, but that's okay. See, that, that, that made me wonder. You had so many correct facts. Why would you throw in one false one? Well, because it says <laughs> it on the website, and I'm just trying to reiterate that not everything that you read on the internet is true. I was told everything you read on the internet was true. Okay, maybe. I don't I don't think so. But all right, so it's kind of working a little bit here. Alan and I are, are moving our microphone boom back and forth and I think it's getting a decent pickup here. Yeah, we got some skills. All right. So today's topic for the beer review. So we're just gonna be casually drinking uh, some beers from six oh three. Alan brought a couple of beers. We'll rate them as we go, but but the topic of the day is gonna be like process, beer process and checks and so seth's gonna drop some serious knowledge on us um you probably have to pay like 19.99 and several installments to get such knowledge <laughs> uh, all major credit cards accepted Venmo. Uh, and bitcoin as well <laughs> yes yes gotta get gotta get that cryptocurrency out there yes. I, forgot. I have some doggy coin yeah yeah D- dogecoin or whatever it is mm. all right so seth why don't you uh why don't you tell our uh seven seven or eight listeners about yourself like how'd you get into the beer industry man okay so um let's start with home brewing as most people do uh recently in the beer industry so i started home brewing about 10 years ago and um i was working as an electrical engineer at the time so i went to engineering school did all that stuff and then i kind of got uninspired by the engineering part of it and in the whole business of you know working in an office and all that stuff so i wanted to move on you were a cog in the machine i felt like a cog in the machine that yeah. feels very similar I, <laughs> I quit the engineering school before the finish because i did not want to do it <laughs> all right we interrupted so go on yeah it's okay uh yeah so um work in engineering for uh a little over five years and the company that I was working for did some massive layoffs. So I'm like, well, this is a perfect opportunity to get a career change. So I'd already been homebrewing for about three years at the time. And I was like, I could either go to school for it or I could just jump right into the industry and get some hands-on experience. So I um, saw that there was a local mobile canning company hiring. And I had no clue what that was at the time. So I knew that, obviously, breweries need to put their beer in cans to sell it. I knew that there were a lot of local craft breweries opening at the time. So What I, year is this? Date it for us. This is in 2015. Okay, yep. Yep. So this is kind of actually, um, 2015 is a pretty significant year, I think, in the recent craft beer history. Um, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, styles that are emerging and fighting for the top spot at that time and cans were on the upswing they weren't like they are now but mobile canning was a big part 
of why you see so many cans on shelves right now. Right. So for those, so Seth and I, well, Seth is still, and, and I am a former industry guy, so obviously there's still a lot of glass, but there's a very good reason why pretty much the only stuff in glass, for the most part, is like your Budweiser's and other like larger craft breweries who are a little bit older who had kind of already committed to it and then they switched also over to cans well bud light was always in cans but like yeah i mean you you'll see craft stuff in bottles now but it's mostly specialty high-end barrel age stuff yeah. or yeah things that you want to um put a higher value to it's kind of it's kind of weird um the way that the the landscape of packaging has changed it's classy in glass. It's exactly yeah. glass it's, equals class. But it, it used to no, like it was weird. It was like everything was in glass. Yes. And that now everything's in cans, and now glass is classy. Yeah, it's 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 a whole thing. All right, and, and it's true because I, I feel like I feel like when I look for a good dark beer, I judge the cans negatively, and the glass is on a higher shelf. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. We'll, we'll we'll pocket that before we tangent off too too terribly. <laughs> we never yeah. tangent. Never. 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 I mean that's that's podcasting. It's tangent. Continue. Yeah. So uh, I start working for the mobile canning company, and um, I learned a ton, man. I get to work at over a hundred different breweries in the Northeast. I get to travel out to New York and Ohio a little bit, uh, down to Jersey. It's 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 pretty crazy the amount of different kinds of operations and things that I saw um, uh, just by canning beer at Kind of like a free case study because you, if you know what's going on, which I'm sure you, you started to pick up on more and more the more places you went, so you get it like the, hey, what's working for them, what's not. Oh, yes. And kind yeah. of see all that stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of people too out there don't even realize like how many breweries don't can their own beer that they use a mobile canning service. Oh, yeah. You know, it's true. Because everybody, I think everybody just assumes like, well, just go out back and can it. Well, that crap's expensive. Yes, yeah, yeah. especially if you want to do it right too. I mean, yeah. now there's benchtop canners and things that you can get, and it'll put your beer in a can and seam that can, but it it's not going to be efficient, and it's probably going to be really hard to package it properly. Wasted money on one for my homebrew. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say. I know a person that has one of these. Yeah. I wonder. Oh, uh, yeah, look no further than right here. Could you imagine trying to make uh, canned beer on scale with that? Yeah. No, no, that's, no. yeah. My, mine is essentially tantamount to, I know it's kind of gimmicky, but, like, when they pour you a crowler behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like mine is essentially a crowler filler. Yes. But it can accommodate a 16 or 12 ounce can. Yeah, it's yeah. still, it's still kind of a cool little home brewing like little flex you like drop the can, can i'm sure we'll, we'll start covering it more later you can do it okay it's just never gonna be great exactly. and you better drink it pretty quickly kind of like a crawler yeah no exactly <laughs> i was about to say you, you actually made a really good comparison there when you said that yeah like so if you if you had it with you know if you, if you kept it cold and had it within a couple of days it, it'd be all right but yes. it's not yeah. gonna be yeah. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Continue. Yeah. So, and then. Uh, yeah. So, and then. Uh, working for uh, the mobile canner, learned a lot. I started uh, running the canning lines, and then eventually, uh, like that running means just like operating them. Uh, you know, putting, hooking up to a tank, running beer through it, learning how to do that. Yeah, properly. you're more than just the guy putting it in the box on the end of the line and stacking them. Yeah. So. Uh, I stack a mean box. <laughs> I do. Typically, when you start um, in, in mobile canning, you'll start as an assistant. If you've never run 
uh, canning line before, and you're basically uh, palletizing cans and pushing them, changing sanitizer, checking can weights, all this kind of stuff um, that you do in the industry. And then when you actually get behind the filler, you start to you have to learn how to dial in these machines based off of the type of beer you're running, um, the package conditions like your temperature and your carbonation all that kind of stuff and use all of these metrics to fill the can properly so i learned how to do all this stuff and then eventually um i moved on to do quality checks for the mobile canning company so there's these machines that measure dissolved oxygen and you check uh (laughs) you check (laughs) which is (laughs) Very important, and it's one of the biggest things that I've uh, had experience with is minimizing dissolved oxygen in packaging and figuring out how to do it properly, um, especially on these smaller uh, canning lines. Can we go back to that 2015 year you were talking about too? So yeah, um, I learned a lot about because I that's what I was doing in canning, and I learned a lot from just basically Seth who worked for the mobile canning company. He used to moonlight at the company that I worked for at the time. So he would just, he was their mobile canner. And then when they got their own, I was a person working the canning line. But whenever we had a problem with it, we'd basically call Seth uh, and he'd help us out. But I bought a book and I forget what book it is. It's around here somewhere, but it was basically on packaging quality. But one of the things Mm -hmm. that it said in the book was like, essentially when breweries really, a lot of all the microbreweries started switching over to canning and then the new England IPA became a huge style. Like mm-hmm. it literally changed industry standards within a couple of months. Like the levels came like reduced by almost four times that what was acceptable oh, like, yeah. where, where they would be like, Hey, okay, we've got to shut down this whole machine. Like we cannot run anymore. We have to stop because we were way outside our, our specs essentially. Oh yeah, that's true. And I experienced that in a bunch of breweries and actually pushed us to get better at getting lower dissolved oxygen numbers. And when I first started, it was like, not like I didn't know what dissolved oxygen. I knew what dissolved oxygen was, but I didn't know how much it affected beer. And right. from home brewing, I always knew that like after you had done your fermentations, you wanted to keep as much oxygen out as possible. You're transferring things in low oxygen environments, all this kind of stuff. But I never knew that we were talking about matter of parts per billion. Okay. Very, very tiny amounts. Yes, very tiny amounts, which can be very detrimental to your beer, especially styles like IPA, because hops hate oxygen, and you need to keep them uh, away from it as much as possible, especially once they're in beer, because it's going to destroy all that good flavor that you work for by putting all those hops into that beer. All right. So what happened? So you're no longer working for the mobile canning company. What What are you up to these days? So um, after uh, I, I, I originally had gotten into the mobile canning company because I'd also put my resume out to a bunch of breweries, but all the breweries were like, you don't have any experience, which is crazy because now there's so many breweries and so many breweries will take people that don't have any experience. They're like, yeah. all right, we're going to teach you how to clean kegs. We're going to teach you how to do this. But at the time, I couldn't even get a job doing that. And I had, you know, uh, engineering experience, I had construction experience, a lot of hands-on jobs, and they're just like, no, you, you don't have any burning experience. Well, you have engineering experience, you know your worth as a, as a value <laughs> person. Yeah, yeah, I think that also, too, just kind of, 
just a little side tangent is I think that has to do a lot too with um, how to put this like if you're starting your own company like and you're a small brewery it's intimidating to, to teach someone mm-hmm. so like you think that I think the general error was like this is a lot more complicated than it actually is and it's not to take anything away from anything anybody does it's just it's a manufacturing job at the end of the, at the end of the day oh yeah and yeah. so you just teach someone a process and like yep. i think i would i would actually make an argument the process too. that's yeah. right and continuous I, improvement yes it's the american way um but i would, I would it's argue the japanese way made the american way we might have stolen it. <laughs> well, we stole most everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, go woke, go broke. Anyway. Yes. On, on the next one. Oh, no. Hey, you're either for Joe Rogan or you're not. <laughs> so. uh, off right, the well, rails. Off the rails. I kind of hope Spotify cancels us because that'd be awesome. It's like you canceled the podcast with like five followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. It's not going to happen. Do you feel like, do you feel big now? <laughs> but uh, no. Oh, my God. I can't remember what I was talking about. It's probably better that I don't continue. All right, carry on. Carry on. Yeah, so... um, After we've rudely interrupted yet again. Yeah, so... um, Well, he needs a break every once in a while. He needs to be able to sip his beer. No, You notice that every time I cut in on him, he's just like, and a sip goes down. Sip beer, okay. Yes. Yeah, so um, I I guess when I first started homebrewing and I had a couple successful batches, they were fermented, you get alcohol... You had this crazy idea where you might want to start a brewery yourself. Um, <laughs> and, I wonder. Uh, and, 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 this conversation seems <laughs> to be had by everybody. Yeah, right. So uh, what ended up happening, though, is after I got into the mobile canning company and I saw all these different breweries and I started to understand how hard it actually is to create a successful brewery that puts out a good product, uh, I also saw that I didn't know enough yet to start my own place so the next step was okay i've worked in all these breweries packaging their beer but now i need to learn how do you do the other stuff in the brewery so i wanted to get a job at a brewery and i applied um at a couple places and uh, i got the job at 603 so i've been there for londonderry new hampshire londonderry new hampshire yes uh (laughs) And I've been there for a little over three years now, and I started mostly on the packaging line and then kind of branched out into all different aspects of the brewery, uh, on the production side anyways, doing uh, cellaring, which is working on the tanks after the beer uh, has been brewed, and while, while it's in the tanks, doing the fermentation while you're transferring from one tank to another, the, where you do the dry hopping, before... Uh, it gets packaged. So there, there's three main parts of a production brewery. There's the actual brewing that happens. There's the cellaring process, which I just described a little bit. And then the packaging process where you take your finished beer and you put it into the package that will go to the consumer. Nice. So I had a lot of experience in the packaging. And then I, I worked on um, bringing my expertise to the company to help them package better and with the idea that, hey, I'd also like for you to teach me now about the other parts of the brewery. So I started brewing. I started um, doing the cellaring. And now after, um, after a couple years doing that, we noticed that there were gaps in the quality program because we didn't really have a quality program. So 
now I started. Uh, that would be an enormous gap. Well, yeah, there's I not to be, disparage, but it's like, I, hey, there's holes in the quality program because we don't have one. Well, I mean, but I think there's a lot of places around that don't really have a quality program other than cracking a beer and seeing if it tastes right. Well, I think he's going to get into the the details here. Yeah, so of what <laughs> of what, yeah. of what a quality. Yeah, go on. Well, so uh, and when I say we didn't have a quality program, I mean we didn't have a one dedicated person who is actively always thinking about the quality. There, there was always quality steps in place at the brewery since I got there. So th- there was a quality program, but there wasn't somebody who was – that was their only job was to think about are we doing all the different stuff correctly and then are we measuring – and making sure that we're doing this stuff correctly as much as we possibly can. So, like, for example, um, when I worked at Down East, that was one of the things that was – so, at Down East Cider House, like, that was one of the things that really blew me away because I had never been in on in, in any kind of, like, QA. Mm-hmm. And even there's – I mean, I don't know how advanced this, this was, but they had an entire – they called it the lab. And so, mm-hmm. every cider yep. maker would do a week up in the lab. And I would be basically doing – process checks and i yeah. think that's what you're talking about various yeah. stages of like so i'd be checking fermentations mm-hmm. i would be um checking other things like uh so they hey they self-light their cider shocker yeah there's self-lights in american wine european wine dr- fanboys would be like oh sacrilege mm-hmm. anyways mm-hmm. but like that's not the same for every batch so you'd have to a quality person would whoever was in the lab would have to go and check the numbers and run it and put the right stuff in because if you put too much of that stuff in any of your products it makes people sick yeah. So you don't want that. Anyways, but they also had, um, I think maybe what you're getting at is they had a library, like an active, like someone, and then someone always checking on that and like rotating and figuring stuff out. That's like one part of them. So a library is like, hey, we brewed this can of beer or this beer on this date. All right, we're going to take one, I don't know, let's say every hour, pull it, put it away until we get whatever. And then they just stay on a shelf and we monitor them, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, that, that, then, that, that can more be part depth. of a quality program. Yeah, yeah. and there's yeah. more in depth to it, but like that's what I'm saying. Like that, those are things that I was like, "Whoa, what's yeah. this? Like that's yeah. crazy." Yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um... <laughs> Apparently, Chris is under the impression. No one then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So, where, where should I start here? There's there there always seems to be a focus more so on uh, beer recipes and um, you know the, the brewers and all this stuff. You don't really hear too much about the packaging team. You don't hear about the cellaring team. You don't even hear you don't hear about the quality team. You hear about oh this brewer and he makes beer, and that's kind of that's kind of are what they it like is, the right? offensive linemen of. The beer industry? No, no, no this is They're what like I'm the getting. Place at, kicker all right? holder. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, the um, you know the the cellarman, the, the the packaging line guys, the keg cleaners, like all that stuff is super important. And um, it, you could have the best beer recipe in the world, but if it's not brewed properly, if it's not cellared properly, if it's not packaged properly, it's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be the best yeah. beer recipe in the world. You know? I mean, a lot of times, too, you'll hear people be like, oh, I really like the beer when I'm at this brewery, but I don't like to buy the cans because I'm always let down. And that's possible. Or, or, or it's another fanboy who shall not be named that uh, is drinking eight-month-old Swish and is just swears up and down the river. It's just as good as the day <laughs> he bought it. I mean, I don't... It's certainly drinkable, but it there's no comparison. 
so I, I, I get a I, my whole thing with IPAs, okay, and especially heavily heavily hopped IPAs is once you hit that three month mark, man, um, it doesn't matter if it was impeccably brewed, cellared, packaged. Hop degradation happens. It's a thing. And um, yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Although you give it four more weeks than I give it, but anyway. Well, well no. So that's, I'm saying that's the, you, that's different because you that's, yeah, that's your pers- that's your I'm, buying. I'm, I'm that's it. your buying. That's so, not your drinking. So that's that, you that's a buy. reference to a, a personal rule of mine with IPAs. I go, I go eight weeks. That's that's oh, for purchase. That's so for purchase. For purchase. Yeah, I, I'll I'll agree with that. I I won't buy anything that's that's much more than two months old. Bec- and, and it's not necessarily that it can't last that long so there's certain breweries that i know that have good reputations for quality programs as well as packaging practices and i know that hey maybe if you're at that eight to ten week mark it's still going to be okay but if i'm taking a risk on like a new brewery that i've never tried their beer before sometimes i don't even go past a month because i don't know if it's gonna if they if it was packaged properly i don't know nobody Um, likes to burn a 20 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you guys or any of our listeners, but I don't have, I don't have money to just be throwing a twenty out there in the wind and then just can like can dumping it. It's oh, like, oh yeah, no. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, these beers are expensive because they cost money to make, and most there's so many breweries now, and there's so many yeah. small breweries, you know. Yeah, and most of them don't have the ability to check their dissolved oxygen numbers yeah uh and if i just think it's a very important point you made because i've made it a couple of times in the show and i've had a couple of people just like ask me about why that is and i'm like well if you'd like to listen to me speak for 90 minutes then then that's okay but most people don't so i'll just spare you and just say trust me on this one like this is a personal rule of mine because i i got that i got on that kick when i worked at mystic brewery because mm-hmm. we were always every two weeks we were doing this beer called voltage yeah. and so i could try fresh voltage i could try two week four week six week mm-hmm. and eight week mm-hmm. and so tr- drinking eight week next to two week i could taste how green two week was and how stale eight week was oh yeah you know what i mean and then i would have eight week versus four week and i'm like man four week is not green anymore this is like I'm liking this. See, and the the there's also that you bring up a good point too is that I I'm an I don't think you should be if your beer is still green after a week, then you're not you're packaging too early. Oh, and, that and, was something that we and, chronically did, and that's a chronic <laughs> <big> problem. <laughs> that's yes. a big problem. Yeah. But that yeah. wasn't my call to make. We just did it. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. In yeah. some places, are, they're forced to because they ne- they only have a couple of tanks, and you just need to turn, 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 turn. Yeah. And that can lead to other problems. Well, um, we also used a mobile canning company, and that was on a regular schedule. Oh yeah. That we had to make, yep. and so, so it was like whether the beer was like all the way ready and where it should have been. Was much many times up for I very think that's questionable. Still, like oh, something yeah. that most people wouldn't expect. Like somebody like Mystic was going to mobile can. Like I think you figure once people get to a certain size, of course they get a can everything well, on I their think, own. I think that goes more to the point of what we were talking about, and this is why this is part of the reason why we do this podcast is to let kind of people know. Like you, you get a can, and that's like okay, cool, and it's a beer, and it's a brewery you like because they got a, you know. 
a clever Instagram account or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. or you like their can art or whatever. Yeah. But hey, there's so can much. Can art that... is a big part of buying a can. It's important. It, it can it can hurt you if you don't have decent can art. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair, fair. But but we're just talking about liquid here. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so for for just the liquid purposes, it's like, but how let down are you? Where you're like, wow, that can art was sick, and I was so hyped for this beer, and then you're like, and you're like, this sucks, and then. Then then you go online and people just trash the crap out of them and it's like well you have no idea what goes into this so like therefore you are invalid that's what that's what my well the the other you get the other end of it too where um, you get this can that's been marketed to you perfectly and it's so hype and you drink it and it might not be that good but you just spent twenty bucks on it. And you buy into the hype, and you're just like, "Oh, this is so good!" Like I spent this twenty dollars, and it was. And great. then you fast forward the tape, and all of a sudden, your brewery's number one on Untapped because it has the most <laughs> check-ins. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. people have checked in their seventy eighth can of King Julius. Yeah. Oh shit! Did I should say that out loud? No, I mean it's it's a fair it's a fair thing. So yeah. why don't we why don't we take a, a quick a quick pause because we've been drinking uh, six oh three beer hall igloo lager. Yes. Yes. So, I did not see the igloo initially. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. So I was I was pretty excited because we've Alan and I not on the show. We've had beer hall lager. We have yes. not had igloo lager. Yes. Someday it may come out. There was a rare, rare, rare test episode with it. Yes. <laughs> Might still be saved to my phone. Okay. Yes. Um, anyways, so Seth, are you aware of the bald guy beer review rating system? I am. Yes, I've listened to all some right, episodes. All right. So we won't yeah. go over it. Yeah. Uh, we post it sometimes with our uh, don't don't feel obligated because you work there. You don't have to rate it. Uh, did you brew this particular batch? Uh, no, I did not actually. Um, so one of the other brewers, this was his first recipe, and um, it's based off of a box style uh, lager, but toned down a little bit to be a little more sessionable. And it's the um, uh, winter you know seasonal lager that we've got that's available only at the beer hall okay all right so alan you got your rating what do you think oh i actually i'm the winter seasonal type or like that's where i'm torn sometimes sometimes i enjoy them sometimes i do not this one is i enjoy the regular beer hall lager a little bit better so on this one i will go 6.7 all right 6.7 6.7 Alan, you've done it again. I actually too was going six point seven. Wow. So we had then, two weeks of no matching, and we're going to match this time. Yeah, yeah. And then so Seth, we're just going to give him a winky face, unless he wants to rate it. Oh uh, no, I'm I'm not really a big uh, beer rating guy myself. I'll tell you if I like it or if I don't like it, and if I have critique on it. But I, I'm not big on putting numbers to beers. Okay, so does he like it? it, it so so Seth is a Roman Coliseum type guy. Yep. He's thumbs, up. thumbs up or, or thumbs, thumbs down. down. I'll, I'll give it the thumbs up. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I would agree with the thumbs up assessment too. Well, so what's interesting though, where it kind of falls in our rating system, it, it's kind of. I'm going to kind of not follow the... I'm still giving it a 6-7. I feel like on, like, the blind IPA test, we were in, like, the sixes on quite a few. And even after, like, lining them up, there's some beers I rated low, and I would still buy them again. Yeah, so... Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily, again, just like like Dave Portnoy's Pizza Reviews, right? Like, 6.7 is not a bad score. And I'm a lager guy. I really like lagers. So I would think that, like... 
if I was there, I, I would definitely be picking up some of this. I am enjoying like the away. like the back end Bach notes on this yeah. and like I wasn't really putting like context to what it was until Seth said it and then I'm like, yes, that is what I'm tasting. Yeah, it, I mean it, it's it's more or less like an amber lager yeah. almost, but um yeah, we didn't we didn't want to go full strength Bach for the the winter seasonal, you know, easy drinking beer at the beer hall kind of thing. Well, the other thing too, um, with, with this one, like I said, like especially when I go to a, a brewery, if I really if I like a beer, yeah, but I can only get it there, and I'm like, you know, I don't got any other chance to get this like anywhere else. Like I can't yeah. just go to like a, a Hannaford or a Market mm-hmm. Basket mm-hmm. or those uh, things off the side of the highway on 93. Like I'm definitely gonna pick this up. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would pick up a... They come in six? And, six pack, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd pick up a six pack of this, for sure. All right, so so we'll go on. So we were talking about... Um, well, we were talking about kind of age of IPAs. So yeah, we kind of yeah. got on a tangent. So we'll go back to... So take us... What are, what are some of the major quality things that... Okay, so hold on. Let me back this up one more time. You had explained kind of like the brewing, the brewing process triad. Yes, brewing, cellaring, packaging. Exactly. So let's go to the first step in the process: brewing. What are some of like the, I don't know, the QA checks? Okay, so um, during your brew, there's a there's a bunch of steps that happen, and each step along the way, you're taking certain measurements to make sure you're hitting certain benchmarks for said recipe. All right. So the brewing process starts where uh, you're taking water and mixing it with uh, crushed malted yeah. grains to convert starches to sugars. Anybody that's been on a brewery tour has heard this spiel like a million times or whatever, right? So um, there is um, certain pH numbers that you have to hit in your mash, depending on the recipe. Um, and so you'll measure your mash pH. Uh, you'll measure the gravity that happens when you first start collecting your wort, which is the stuff that you'll... Well, how do you measure gravity? Okay, so there's a couple of different ways you can measure gravity. You can either use a hydrometer, uh, and that's just this little like thermometer-looking thing that you'll drop into the wort, and it'll balance out and reach a level where you can see, okay, uh, home brewers measure it in specific gravity and uh, commercial breweries use Play-Doh. It's just two different systems of how much sugar Kind of like is metric and standard, yeah, sort of? kind of. Yeah, you can do conversions. But like when I was home brewing, it was always specific gravity, and then you get into the industry and everybody's talking Play-Doh. Um, and, and it's basically just a measurement scale of how much sugar there is in this liquid. So you're, you've got your, your wort that you just made from... Uh, you know, your grains and your water being mixed together. And uh, typically, if you've got more sugar in there, it's going to ferment out and create a bigger, higher ABV beer. There's also all this other stuff that goes into it, too, without getting into the weeds. But you're, you're measuring your gravity throughout the process of when you're collecting your wort, and that's taking it from your mash. You're separating out those grains. You're not really separating out the grains. You're separating the liquid from the grains and you're transferring that into a kettle where it will be boiled because you don't want to have all the grains in there. That would be weird. Um, Agree. So, yeah, 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 yeah. scorch them. <laughs> I bet it'd make a sick hazy boy though. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe yeah. also chunky. Uh, yeah, Chris yeah. does not like the floaties. Get that, yeah. that chunky beer. But yeah, so you're measuring your pH and you're measuring your gravity throughout that brewing process. 
Um, and the there's also machine like expensive machines you can get to where you can just take a drop of warp, place it in that machine, and it will tell you exactly, oh, it's this Play-Doh, it's this specific gravity, whatever it may be. Same thing with your pH. You have some kind of pH meter, something as simple as pH strips if you're on like the budget end or you have this crazy meter that you have to store probes and solutions and then you stick it into your wart and it'll tell you how much pH you Sounds have. really sciencey. Yes, it's really sciencey. Yeah. But yeah. also simple. Like, right? I drop this thing into this liquid and then I read a number. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And so so when like the brewer on the brew day will be making sure that all these things are in line and if anything's out like if you don't hit your number now okay i need i I somehow need to get more sugars into this and that can either be if you're doing multiple batches in a day that will become one big batch maybe on your second batch you add a little more grains so now you're getting more sugar and it'll balance out or you can add um, either some malt extract to make adjustments or some kind of simple sugar like you know, corn sugar, which is a standard practice. All right. That was a good explanation. I think on that note, we need another beer. So we'll hit a quick transition break. And then when we come back from the break, we'll be drinking a beer and Seth will be taking us through some more stuff. Sounds good to me. And we're back. We've got uh, another beer uh, we have poured out. We got, what is it? It is... The abdominal, abdominal. Abom, abominable. I cannot. I'm, I'm as good as pronouncing things as you are right now. Yeah, that's it. Abominable hot man triple IPA. Yes, it's an. It's from the EO nine series. So we're gonna just be slowly sipping on this as Seth takes us now through the second leg of the brewing triad. We'll call it the brewing triangle. I will also just say the can art is fantastic on this one. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I think it's pretty cool. You got some some fermenters in the back with this huge yeti with like the hop, hop. yeah but it, it's like a hop with like yeah. fur yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like a hop yeti and it's on it, i like also that it's on a cloud and it's an ipa oh yeah i also like that they list the hops they used in it on the side that pleases me ah uh, yes and then what else pleases us ah uh, yes clearly marked with a very readable date and time yes oh very important yes this very can important. was born at 1037 and four seconds that's a, good, that's a good number. 1037 used to be first lunch in high school. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so you never know. <laughs> well, everything good is still up at the at the hot lunch. Alan and I just drank a beer. I still have it over here, the bottle, a narwhal, and it's from the first year we met in 2013. It was, it was, nice. an, it was an anniversary beer. Nice. Yeah, we didn't even know it at the time. I did not realize it. Yeah. How was, was the uh, 2013 narwhal? Um, I it, can't even remember what I gave it. Chris did not give it that high of a score because it was not really his style of beer, and I don't okay. think I was that much higher. It was, it was still not bad. Um, yeah. Do you remember what episode that was? Yeah, it was the stouts, the dark beer episode six. Episode six. Yeah, hold on, I have them all in Word documents now. I've had more recent Narwhal, and it's pretty, it's the, a pretty solid beer. Yeah, the, I think I think that one was a little old. Yeah. I yeah. think the because I have a few more recent ones, and I did not realize that one somehow film to the back of the shelf yeah 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 well i didn't record the ratings for that one somehow <laughs> it's not on here i don't think we actually chose to drink it for the show we did yeah well i don't know if we rated it maybe that was a different show maybe not might not be episode six probably seven then 
All right, we're wasting time. Yeah, it was, so it, was, it was the one after that, so it might We're burning seven. time. Like, going back, people are like, I already listened to it. Some guy, right, like right. the one bald guy beer review nerd out there is like, I already know what it is. <laughs> I don't care. I gave it a 6.9 right. okay. for the record. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, it's perfect rating. Yes. So, uh, yeah, um, quality checks that you do during the cellaring process. So that's while the beer is fermenting, after it's done fermenting, that kind of thing. And... While your beer is fermenting, your um, your yeast is eating away at the sugars that you created during the brewing process. It's creating alcohol, CO2, all sorts of other stuff. And your gravity that we measured before is starting to drop because those sugars are converting from uh, you know sugar to alcohol now. And you have to measure that throughout the process so that you know when it's done fermenting or the beer reaches its final gravity all right and then that you measure it the same way that you do with a hydrometer or another expensive machine that you can put drops into and have. And that's how you know it's done like and that's how you know it's done so if you're brewing something that you brewed before you kind of have a general idea of where that beer finishes right and uh the other way that you know is because if you're reading it multiple days in a row okay it's hitting 2.5 it's hitting 2.5 okay this beer is done fermenting it's stopped converting all the sugars that it can right okay so that's kind of like when you're baking the cookies it's like we know that we got to bake the cookies or the toll house cookies for whatever at this amount at this temperature for this amount of time yeah and that's not always the same generally is the same probably for for beers that you do all the time like you know like hey on day 13 or whatever let's say just, typically yeah. Hit, yeah exactly yeah exactly. but you're and, but you're always double checking these things just to make sure yeah yeah so that once your final gravity is reached uh, there's another check uh, that you do called a forced diacetyl test. So if you've ever drinking a beer that tasted like buttered popcorn or something, um, I have. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's that that flavor that off flavor is diacetyl. Okay. And some yeast strains are known for producing more diacetyl than others, uh, but what happens is after that fermentation process finishes, just because you hit your final gravity doesn't mean that the process is done yet because that yeast is going to do some extra cleanup and it's going to get rid of that diacetyl for you so some breweries they uh they might just wing it and say hey we're gonna um we, we, we reached our final gravity they're gonna move on but uh every beer we do a force the diacetyl test on and that's just as simple as taking a sample of your beer once it's done fermenting and heating it up for a little bit and then comparing it to a non-heated sample. Now, if you can smell and taste that buttered popcorn in the heated sample, because that'll drive out that diacetyl flavor, now you know, okay, hey, there's still diacetyl present in this beer. We need to let it keep fermenting for a few more days before we bring it to the next step. Okay. And again, so for a beer that you're making all the time, is that generally still like the same amount of days? Is there like a, a ballpark range of days? Like this should be done within 14 to 17 days kind of deal? Yeah, I mean, typically you know uh, when your beer is going to finish, but yeast is finicky and you really can't control it all the time. So you always need to do these checks just in case to make sure that you're not going to be putting out a subpar product. It is a living organism. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, it's also cultivated, right? Can you talk about that? And a little like repitching, like and yep. all that other stuff. Or? Yeah, so that's another big thing, and that's something that um, I handle pretty uh, regularly at the brewery. 
Oh, it's my dog upstairs. <laughs> Probably Amazon dropping off something. We yeah. refuse to cut it out. Uh, yeah. Great. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeast can be really expensive. So every time you brew a beer, you have to put yeast into it to ferment it. Right? The four ingredients of beer, water, malted grains, yeast, and hops. Okay? And Some German purity law somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the Reinheitsgebotsen. Reinheitsgebotsen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 so, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. Um, Fruit Loops is not on that list. <laughs> no, uh, no, 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 no. So uh, the yeast is an expensive part of that, but it can be reused. So uh, once a beer has finished its fermentation, you can cr- that yeast will drop out of suspension and it'll collect at the bottom of your fermenter. So now you can take it and put it into a vessel typically referred to as a yeast brink and we'll call it harvesting the yeast so once the yeast is done once the yeast is done fermenting the beer it drops out you put it into your yeast brink and now you can put the yeast that's in that brink under a microscope and you can see do the cells look good do i have a high count um and putting all of this into a calculator and getting numbers spit back at at you will tell you how much yeast you need to put into your next beer based off of what's your batch size uh how big is the starting gravity and uh, you know a couple other metrics so that you're not under pitching your yeast putting too little yeast in there to do its job and then you have a bad fermentation or putting too much yeast into your beer and then that can cause other problems and off flavors. So you need there's a sweet spot where you need to get the right amount of yeast into your beer to ferment it properly. Yeah. So what what do you got? You looked like you were gonna say something. No. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say like yeast is a big thing. Like cause certain breweries have personal, you yeah, know, proprietary, proprietary yeast, yeast strains. Yeah. A lot of breweries. Are, kind of our hush hush about oh what yeast do we use and all that i actually am taking a class right now and i'm doing a report on boston beer company and they have proprietary yeast strains and they're so paranoid about losing them they store them in 10 different buildings so they couldn't lose them all at once oh that's interesting Hmm. yeah or you could just be a reddit bro and go london three (laughs) <laughs> yeah um uh, <laughs> well, that's an inside be, joke for seth he yeah says exactly yeah, what yeah, i'm talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. but to no be fair, so, some of these might have started out as london three manipulated into something else that's also fair but no i mean i just want to take a quick quick pause for a second to basically say like so hopefully for everyone out there like there's a lot of i'm hoping through this episode like one of the goals for this one especially is that you get a greater appreciation so to recap quickly Seth was just a guy doing some stuff and some engineering. And then he's like, Hey, I make my own beer and I think it tastes good. And I'd like to do this for a living. So I'm going to just jump. And over the course of between the canning and 603, we're probably talking about the better part of the last six years. Yeah. A little under six years. Yeah. So it's been like a six. So more than a college education, this man day in day out has been working and learning all of these things as he goes. And it's like, and there's many other people that are just like him all over the country mm-hmm. that are doing this and they're putting they're, they're part of this i don't know craft beer revolution 3.0 now or 2.0 2.5 we, we might be getting into point two five, point two five. yeah i rated point two five. fourth wave like yeah, whatever yeah. we're in now it doesn't yeah. matter like but these are the these are the people 
And so if you're like feeling like lost in the sauce, to, to put it bluntly, any error in any of these things could make a beer go critically wrong mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. can. Yeah. Like maybe not. Maybe not like if the gravity is not, maybe not right away or maybe, but down the line, something might happen. Right. And, and to explain how, if each thing goes wrong and and what, whatever, we're not going to get into that here or now. I just wanted to kind of bring that up and just kind of bring this back. Like, why are we talking all this technical stuff? It's, it's not for Seth to come show off everything that he's learned. It's, it's literally to let you know that there's so much that goes into this. It's, it's not just some dude like dragging kegs around all day and being like, I work hard. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah. you, you've really got to think about these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a thinking. And I mean, it's game. an important thing because I think everybody here listening has opened a beer once and been let down by it because something was not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So almost like give it a second chance, especially if it's been a couple of years for that brewery because they oh, most definitely. certainly, yeah. if, they, if they're still around a couple of years later and you were having serious quality problems with them, they probably learn their lesson if they're still around. Probably. Yeah. 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 Well, they, well, hopefully. I mean, some beers uh, or some breweries have been around so long that they kind of get away with it or they have good marketing or whatever. But in my experience, most of the ones that stick around do get better. They learn from their mistakes and they figure out how to improve their processes. Yep. Um, which is really important to do. All right, cool. So you got a question, Alan, or? Not right the second, but I'm going to tell you I am enjoying this beer. Yeah, we'll take a quick uh, review pause because I'm almost out. But yeah, so EO9, Abominable Snowman. I'm going to I'm gonna assume, just based off of my my personal feelings on this, I'm gonna just going to make a bold prediction that Seth gives this one a thumbs up. Yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up. Uh, first triple IPA at the brewery, and I think it was a pretty good success. I'd say it's done really well, like especially at like 11%. It doesn't have like the boozy notes to it. Mm-hmm. You're no. not getting like the um like like the whiskey it's burn 11? or anything like yeah, yeah. it's eleven percent. Yikes, yeah. dude! I would have put this like if you just no. I would have put me, it in like the normal double, like the eight yeah, percent range. Six to eight, like you could have literally told me if you told me it was six, I wouldn't call you a liar. <laughs> no. Yeah, it no. It, it drinks really dangerous. nice. Yeah. yeah, I definitely like it. It definitely tastes tastes good. It's got a good aroma on it. Mm-hmm. Feel like it's more on the uh, citrusy side. Yeah, I mean you got you got citra, citra mosaic Nelson. So I mean you got you got quite a trio there. Yep. You know, and there's the nothing. Classic there's one, two punch. There's nothing. Tree. There's nothing wrong with that. Put no, what the no. people want in there. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, there's been some fun new hops that. that citra mosaic is like a Mike Tyson uppercut hook combo. Yeah, like, yeah. I think one of the classic. new hops. Like if we're talking hops, I think one of the new hops that you'll see here and there in some beers. I do like the Lotus hop. Gives it a weird like little. I don't know, it's almost it's you can tell when it's in there if you've had it because it's like. It's pretty distinct. Yeah, yeah. it's got its, it's, 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 like like it's, it's, it's own kind of. It's its own kind of. Like lotus, like it's orange. Tastes like orange. It tastes like yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. it gives some citrus notes, but it gives different citrus notes than like what you're used to getting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it needs some friends because it's a little sweet on its own. So since this is the f- brewery's first uh, triple IPA, I mean it's not a it's not a it's so a well well done first triple. Well, so everyone, I mean obviously he's set, said it. He works at six hundred three brewery. It's not really a six hundred three episode, but you want to kind of give. Anybody, I'm sure we have some 603 fans out there, like the inside skinny on this one. Anything uh, else to share? I mean, uh, I, the, without our, giving it all away. I just feel like this one's been stepped up all the way around. 
impressive can art and it's just tasting quite good mm. yeah yeah we've we've really been uh stepping up the ipa game lately at the brewery and uh have done a lot of different research and trials on different yeast strains and different hop combinations and all that stuff to really dial in each little aspect of the beer and uh i think it's, it's working out well yeah i think it definitely showed i really like yeah. it. it it it's pillowy i don't like the i don't i mean no i'm not all right scratch that i do like i do <laughs> yes. like the fact <laughs> I was trying to say two things at it's once. It's got like a nice. My it's got yeah, quote yeah, unquote yeah. the nice mouth feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes, yeah. and then I also like the fact that it doesn't like again that it's not that it's boozy, but it ain't boozy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, to be honest with you, when beers get up over that ten percent mark, I like a little bit of that booziness just to warn you, just to let you know. You know, you could like, you could crush this one pretty quick and get in some trouble. Yeah, exactly. Like not over the top. You don't want that. Like, oh my god, it's so hot. Like but this... just a little hint there, so that you're like, all right, all right. I know what I'm. Or to even make you question. Like, like you don't want to see like the little neighborhood bar get a get a keg of this, and you know they're pulling pouring you full pints because you're gonna just crush them. Oh yeah. Well, or oh, even yeah. <laughs> or even with the cans. Like so, obviously it it is literally a federal law that you must list what percent ABV it is on the can. Mm-hmm. But like. I think a brewery, it, I think it would be a bad marketing step to be like, this is 11% and put it like right <laughs> on the label so you can't miss it. Yeah, so yeah, obviously yeah. it's on the label, but I, I've got to be honest with you. I don't, most it's, of the time ABV is not a, a non-factor for me. So I don't even look at it. I no. don't care. Yeah. yeah I, yeah, I would have, yeah. I told I tell you right now, I would have bought this one just for the can art. Mm-hmm. Well, right, but but does that make sense? Like, I'm not like being like, yeah. hey, man, which 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 beer on this shelf is the highest ABV? Because I'm I, looking to get well, like some people so do I, that though. I'll well, tell you this, other, but they have back, other problems. Back, yeah, I know. Back <laughs> in the jail days, I went to the beer store in Nashville with one of my friends, and he walked in and asked the guy, he goes, "What's the beer with the highest alcohol content you have? That's what I want." Yeah, and he that had a problem. Was the words. <laughs> that was the words he listed, and then um, it was some like barley wine thing or something weird. He had two sips and he hated it. And it was like $12 for this little bottle. Yeah, yeah. And he was well, like, but, done. But but again. And then he so, told me not to tell his wife. But uh, I don't know. I agree with you, though. I think he's may- still safe because I don't think she listens. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe there should have been some, some I don't know, but maybe, well, maybe in a big, stout, but not in an IPA, man. I, it's got big triple IPA letters. Yeah. So mo- almost, any, almost any brewery that's going to put out a triple IPA is going to be 10 plus exactly very few exactly. like you Which might have some like nine IPAs are double digit well there's well there's no such <laughs> make that work well for, first of all there's no real such thing as the triple ipa it's just a nice it's, it's a name. bigger yeah it's a bigger it's just oh, it's just on. like a, it's just like a are nice you calling name. them liars alan <laughs> it's, it's you calling this fake news it's like a double ipa with more alcohol in it is essentially what you're getting yeah um double but, ipa plus you, yes like exactly. you bring it back to the market you could have, no yes. but you could <laughs> have like you could have arguments because people are going to tell you double double ipas have different alcohol percentage some will say this some will say that typically your triples are 10 and up you'll have some that come in at like nine five nine seven on the low end the fake triples. but yeah. but this has got triple ipa and big letters you know what you're getting I would not drink a four pack of this in a sitting because you will be wrecked. <laughs> I think yeah. So, but it will be delicious. Well, right, but that's but, but that's for a different thing. I think that's an important distinction to make. This is a one and done for me, one hundred percent because of the ABV. Like oh, totally. if I'm at the yeah. brewery, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I this can't in nice good conscience have an eleven percent pint and then just be like, well, let me have four of these and then just take off down the road. No, no, no. 
Like I think maybe if I, I was six foot seven and like four hundred and ten pounds. <laughs> if I was but at I'm the, not, I said, so. if I was at the brewery, I'm going to drop it in the flight, and then I'm going to take a four pack home. Yeah, that's yeah. probably the way to do it, where you can enjoy a can here, there, yeah. you know, maybe four. When well, my wife banishes me to the couch and. I'm sleeping downstairs all night. Like, yep, then I'm cracking all four of these bad <laughs> You and Ernie can split one. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ernie's the, that's my dog, if you didn't know. Now you know. <laughs> all right, so you got a rating out? Or yeah, what, what do you um, I actually really enjoy this one a lot. If I had to give it, like, any kind of knock, I would say probably I might like a little more carbonation in it. Might be the one thing. Um, but everything else, I totally would Seth, actually buy this one. do you know the carbonation one. level of this? Um, Maybe. What is it? It's around two point two point five volumes. Oh, I was gonna say two yeah. foul, two foul, two foul. Yeah, my tongue was not too bad. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Okay. No, I, the only reason I ask. So actually, after our ratings, mm-hmm. well, we're get we'll we'll get into the packaging leg, mm-hmm. but let's make sure that we come back to that and we talk about um, carbonation level. Carbonation. Because yeah. I think that that. Because that Alan clearly was like, "Hey, this is part of my my critique." Yeah, and so people are paying attention to it. But let's it's but don't get me wrong; it's not flat by any oh, stretch no. of the yeah. means. It's Higher not... ABV beers too actually are a little bit harder yeah. for the carb to come through as well. And some people like them a little on the lower side. Some people like them a little yep. on the higher side. It's it's you know there's a lot of personal preference. Yeah, there. carbonation is a finicky game, and we'll yeah. talk about that in a little bit. So yeah. what what's your I, number, Alan? I actually going to give it a pretty high score on this one. I'm going to come in at 7.5. Whoa. 7.5 on this seven one for five. me. Nice, nice. And if you put that in the IPA battle, I think that was well up over the other tops. can pull that up in a second. Um, or at least it's in the contention. Yeah, you know, actually, I'm giving it a lot more credit than, than you give it a credit for. I'm going 7.8 on this one. And I, I, I agree really with that. Like could that. be That's a very valid score on this now, one. Now, I will say, if you take the same base beer... If you're out there, 603 employees, <laughs> like the one sitting across from me. If you dropped it down to like a double, this would if be If you crusher. switched out the citrusy hops with the dank hops. No, don't do it. And make it like a sandcastle demon for the summer. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a more, I'm a bigger fan of the uh, danker hops. I See, like I citrus love, hops, I, but. I live more, I like more of the citrus. I can appreciate the dank hops, and I actually, some of the dank ones, I actually like better. It's just on that day, how it's presenting, how you're drinking it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would definitely go buy some of this. This was this was good. I was trying to pull up the ratings. They didn't, they didn't load. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so you gave it 7.6? Seven, 7.5. Seven, okay, so it fell just short of um, MMM Osa. But it was higher than everything else that we... Well, Mmmosa was, was just a fucking crusher. Yeah. It was that, a nice beer, man. Yeah, that and that was and that was on the opposite end of the spectrum, though, because it was 4% right. probably lighter it goes drinking. Back, it goes back to everything that it's we talked about. Like, so, it's a different beer. It's a different beer. So much of the, the ratings is like... This was far better than the the triple we drank out of Right. Out I of think that. I think we do a good job, though, of like like qualifying that before we give a rating it's like no 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 this is not a bad beer that's just not on our preference i think anything over a six five is a good beer yeah I um, agree. and i'd buy anything over a six five under a six five starts you know 
Well, I'll take it from you if you're giving it to me. But I didn't hate it. Yeah. 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 All right, we're going to take another small break as we crack probably what will be our final beer, and then Seth will take us down the final leg of the brewing triad. I don't know. Did I did I coin that tonight? Is the brewing triad a thing? Uh, we, I mean, I guess it is now. Maybe a future name of a 603 <laughs> we, beer, the we, brewing triad? You, you, you know, you could actually title this episode the brewing triad. You know, last, last episode we had the cold chain. Yeah. Preserve yeah, the cold right. chain. There you go. There you go. I mean, I know, but I started off the podcast by saying it was episode ten double digits. So, well, can someone's gonna have to make it like forty plus minutes in. <laughs> to figure that out. I don't know if they're gonna stick around. We'll see. I, I don't even think I stick in forty minutes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna have to stick around fifty six minutes. We just crossed the mark. So let me. Uh, we'll take another break here, and then we'll come back with another beer, and Seth will take us home on the final leg of our journey. Yeah. All right. All right, welcome back. Alan's talking as I'm welcoming back, but that's all good. We're here for the leg three of the brewing triad. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that what we're going to call it? We're going to call it leg three. You know, it's it's the back end of the triathlon. We went with the lager, then we went to the IPA, and now we're on to the sour leg. And then Seth is going to bring us home with talking about packaging. Probably... Do you want to tell Do you know the most about packaging? Is that fair to say? or, Um... Or you just know a lot about it? I, yeah, probably no. I, I don't. It's hard to tell at this point now. Uh, yeah. What, what what I know the most about, but my I started in packaging, so it, it's always near and dear to my heart. Yeah, so. it's like going home. Yeah. Exactly. All right, cool. So tell us about packaging, because I agree with you, and I'm gonna put out a hot take here. While all while I think everything in the, about the brewing processes are are critical, I think packaging is the most critical because i believe in my personal opinion it's the easiest place to get it really wrong like really wrong it's also where you can make the worst public impressions oh yeah yeah i mean because you're the last when you're packaging beer you're the last person to touch it you're the it's the last yeah, yeah, you got to get it across the finish line. You, you you have to exactly, and that's the thing. And there's definitely things that can go very wrong at each step along the game, but just the fact that it is the last point. If something went wrong somewhere else, pa- you're always going to look to packaging, you know. Um, and you should be when it's get when the beer is getting packaged, you got to make sure you have the right carbonation. Yeah, you got to make sure that it tastes good too before you're putting it into the package um and when you're packaging it you have to make sure that it's going in properly and you're picking up minimal oxygen and you also have to make sure that the top of the can that lid is getting seamed properly to the package because that will create problems down the road exploding cans uh so not exploding cans but exploding cans is indicative of a bigger problem can be multiple things um Probably some kind of infection, or your beer wasn't done fermenting when you put it in that can. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Warm <laughs> sours. Must be nice. <laughs> so, so let's start with um, let's start with carbonation level because Alan had made a previous comment about like, hey, I, I wish this beer was just a little bit more carbonated. Mm-hmm. Hey, again, it's all a personal preference, but can you just give us a a kind of down and dirty on what the numbers mean? Uh, and what carbonation level means, and then just kind of give us some equivalence of like this number would kind of taste w- or would be like this something that you've had before. 
Yeah, so carbonation is essentially you're putting carbon dioxide into your beer to make it bubbly, right? Everybody that's had seltzer knows that that carbonation hit because there's a lot of carbonation in seltzer. Um, so your typical beer is probably around 2.5 volumes. That's pretty pretty standard. But it can go lower or it can go higher, usually based on style. So your darker beers, your stouts, and your porters are probably going to be in that 2.3 to 2.4 range. Um, And as you go up the scale to IPAs, you're around that 2.5. New England IPAs kind of are on the bottom end more recently. They're in that 2.4 to 2.5. Old school IPA, like West Coast IPAs, would be in the 2.5 to 2.6. You're getting a little more bubbly, a little more bite. So carbon dioxide is actually acidic as well. So you're going to get a little bit more bite to your beer. Um, If you have more carbonation, you're forcing, uh, you know, more aromas to, to come up and, you know, create that thick head. Although that can be other things as well. Um, there's so many different factors that go into it. Um, loggers tend to be on, like your light loggers go a little bit higher. They're probably in that 2.7 range. Sours are typically carved a little bit higher, especially your like Berliner, your modern kettle sour, Berliner Weiss type beers. Um, and uh, there's a few styles that get into that 3 plus range, but now you're looking at... Um, the more carbonation you have in a beer, the harder it is to package because you need to get it colder because that CO2 wants to get out of that liquid at higher temperatures. So when you're packaging, you need to make sure that you're in balance with your carbonation level and your temperature. If you've got too high a temperature, too much carbonation, you're gonna get low fills in your cans and that's bad, nobody wants less beer. If you've got a too low of a carbonation and too low of a temperature, now you're not going to foam at all, and now that oxygen get, is going to get in there because you're not creating a nice barrier of CO2 to prevent the oxygen from getting in. Right, because CO2 heavier than oxygen, if people yep. don't know, so it, so it'll put, it'll keep it away from there. And just the foam itself. So anytime that you're foam you're, cap, you, yes, that's the foam it. cap. You the want to cap, cap on foam. Um, that that's like the the simplest thing. If you're doing anything, just make sure that when you're packaging beer whether it be in bottles or cans that when you put the lid on it you're putting it on a nice fluffy pillow of uh, foam and that might not be uh you might need to do more than that but if you're at least doing that you're you're in the right direction i think we're starting to get some ideas for some bald guy beer review merch (laughs) (laughs) maybe have hats like beanies and snapbacks that are called the foam cap cap. on foam like a t-shirt that says cap on foam and you know we do need hats because we are bald so you need to keep that warm but you have like a beanie that literally is just has art on it and it's just beer foam and it says the foam cap on the back or something like that or the front maybe a snapback or two yeah you know you give this idea out it's going to be gone yeah but but listen just like we were talking about too we can literally sell chains and it says the cold chain (laughs) (laughs) i don't recall when we talked about that but okay it sounds good i'm just saying you you were talking about cold chain the last episode indeed like with their marketing ploy of like keep it cold so we can then ask why yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. If it wasn't stored cold, ask why. Yeah. <laughs> 0.25, ask why. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's them looking out for people to tell them, hey, Jay's Variety Store, put your beer on a warm shelf. Yeah. 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 The, the logistics, If in a perfect world, all the beer would be in a cold box somewhere at, so, you know, at all times. But. So I, I play street hockey with a guy that works at Vacation Land. And he says, it's like, yeah, it'll be funny because sometimes people bring the beer out cold, and if they put it in a truck that's not cold, they go, all that cardboard that the beer is in turns to mush, and the whole tower tips over. So he's like, got to keep it cold from there to there, or yep. it's a disaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of, lot of problems can be caused. Yeah. yeah. All right. So thanks for the education there on, on some carbonation level. What are some of the other things the packaging team is looking at? So, uh, yeah, you, you want to make sure it tastes good when you're putting it in the can. You want to make sure that your carb is where you want it to be for that beer, for that beer style. And uh, after it's in the package, you want to do some checks. You want to make sure that your seams on your can look good if you're canning. And you also want to run that beer through a dissolved oxygen meter after it's been packaged. So... Um, Dissolved oxygen meters are pretty expensive, and most small breweries don't have them. Um, mobile canners now have gotten on the train uh, where they're sending their mobile canners out with dissolved oxygen meters. So that that's great. That's fantastic. And that's really helped um, a lot of the these small breweries because they don't have the funds to spend ten grand on a dissolved oxygen meter even though it is such an important tool to have because if you're not packaging your beer properly if it's not being packaged properly um you could have some pretty bad problems and that's where you run into like all these people that yes you want to keep your stuff cold um and but the cold can mask problem it, it just it's it's delaying the inevitable like if you've got high dissolved oxygen you can kind of keep it at bay by keeping it cold for long but if a beer has been packaged properly with low dissolved oxygen, it can sit it can sit and survive warm on a shelf for a lot longer than a beer that had um, you know a lot of dissolved oxygen. Right, because then now we're talking about like a total number. And so there's like there's only so much dissolved oxygen in the beer. And so I think what you're getting at, right, and I'm just trying to clarify for the viewers, but it's like so basic or viewers. You're, like putting, you're putting in hibernation for a little while, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So like, so cold. So right, cold yeah. slows things down. Yeah. Whereas heat accelerates. Exactly. Yeah. Like literally, if you if you had a, I've seen beers that were packaged with high dissolved oxygen, that were stored in a car, um, in the summer, and the next day they were pour like a, a nice golden yellow beer was pouring brown. And it will, it'll change the color, it'll give you these nasty cardboard tastes, it'll destroy all your good hop flavor. Um, you, you had a story once you told me, you're like, a beer in like 95 degrees will go bad in a certain amount of time. Well, that, yeah, that's part of that book that I, that I had already referenced in it. It literally, um, or maybe not a book, I read it online, I found mm -hmm. something, some sort of article. It's on the internet, it, it's it, true. Well, it was a study <laughs> though, but it was a study, but it was also an internet, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. But I found on the internet this study that it was basically like, yeah. So essentially, what it what it what it kind of said was like, hey. So let's just take the example of. So would you say that a can with, let's say, sixty five parts per billion is pretty acceptable? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, in my experience, if you're under a hundred parts per billion, right. So if you're um, in the double digits, you're you're doing good. You're doing good. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like, all right. So let's say sixty-five. So it's like you take a case of that sixty-five, and now you elevate it to like the top of a um, a rack in a warehouse that is not refrigerated, and it's and it's in the middle of the summer anywhere in the country and it's probably going to be getting it like above a hundred there that's going to oxidize faster than this the same run of beer and it could be the literally the very next case that came off the line from that one but that somehow ended up i don't know already at or at a distributor that keeps it cold so it's like it's going to oxidize so that other one's going to oxidize faster basically yes and kind of become more degraded Mm -hmm. quickly Mm -hmm. But if it still has like a good overall number, it might not, or it probably won't degrade to the point where it's like gray. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so yeah. it's just not as good as it could be, but it's not awful, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. So, so what you're basically saying is, as long as your absolute number in whatever package is super low, I kind of use it like a. Even if the conditions are terrible, you're doing all right. Yeah. It's kind of like a math formula degree cold how many days past brewing equals will you buy it i just yeah. think about that meme where the guy's just like sitting there with a confused face and all the math symbols are around him and it's like i don't know Definitely. i feel like the listeners are kind of like all right I, that's what i'm getting out of this like yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like what's the dissolved it's... oxygen on this bro and it's like don't ask somebody that behind the counter They're no not that's you're you. never gonna get that answer yeah. they're not gonna know yeah i mean that's just something that um you know breweries need to be aware of uh and and if and if you can't that's when you get into the well we need to store it cold and, we, and yeah and yes you do want to store it cold but you shouldn't use that as a crutch you should figure out your processes and yeah cold but, chain yeah stop crutching <laughs> cold chain pick up the cold chain at the bald guy beer review store you can find it in years when we get over 50 listeners mm-hmm. we have over 50 listeners allegedly Allegedly. I swear to God, I gotta get, I, I literally gotta get a, a now a BGBR like foam cap and a chain and just like walk into a brewery and be like, you know who I am? Oh, I'm yeah. on the Bald Guy Beer Review. <laughs> I have 15 listeners on Spotify. <laughs> respect, respect my authority. Three of them are in this room right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so each, each of them has two logo accounts that like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, man. So we're, we've been drinking on uh, since the last break. We've been drinking on EO9 Dream Machine. A milkshake sour with blood orange, raspberry, vanilla, and lactose. It. So people have different theories with lactose. Like some people hear lactose and they're already turned off. To me, I I, I don't mind lactose. I like it in some of my beers. And yeah, this one can't be overdone. This one, this That's one, true. it's That's it's true. in there nicely. You're not really like if you didn't tell somebody was lactose was in here, the average person's not going to know. Mm-hmm. Um. Same thing with the vanilla. The vanilla is really toned down, which is good because you don't want it to dominate the flavors. Or dominate um, the fact that it's a sour. Yeah. I yeah. feel like a lot of like when they add lactose and vanilla to sours, it becomes the dominant feature. It, it needs to be done gently so that you're not like you're defeating the purpose. Some of these sour beers are kind of defeating the purpose of being a sour yeah. beer. So this right. you can't, yeah. there's, there is a, there are some lines in brewing recently. A lot of them in smash. We alluded to it earlier with fruit loops, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There <laughs> so, are some lines. So it, this, I this beer one. scared me to start because the fruit breweries most 
often destroying a sour is the orange. Mm -hmm. People will trash it, and it's either, for me, orange lands either on I really like it, or oh my god, this is awful. I've never had an orange sour where it's right in the middle. (laughs) Interesting, interesting. Fair, fair. I think it's just like the high acidic nature of the orange. You know, Mm -hmm. you can just... It can just butcher something. You know, I'm a real simple guy when it comes to sours. It's got to be sour up front and have a bready sour finish that lingers. Mm-hmm. This does that. It checks all the boxes as far as what like what I'm looking it's at. It's got like a nice tart to it. Yes. Yeah. And it's not like so bad. Like I just like the year is 1998. I accepted a dare from my friends and I stuffed eight warheads into my mouth at the same time and I'm yeah. getting crushed. It's like, not like that. No. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, a pleasant tart. It's yeah. it's like an easily drinkable tart. You're not having to mix in water or anything Actually, like that. Actually, too, Alan, uh, guess the ABV. I already looked. Dang it. 7.3, right? All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, like, if you didn't tell me that, I'd be putting this one at a 4 or a 5. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's it drinks easy for 7 as well. Yeah, I mean, not that... I was thinking that when I was Well, not that 7% is, like, always this thing that I'm like, oh, my God, it's so boozy. It's so 7%. I'm not... I don't... I won't buy beer by the percentage. I'm going to buy it by the brewery if it sounds like something I want to try. And then usually if I have a couple out there that I'm deciding between... The can art is the deciding factor. Well, oh, yeah. but going going back to something that um, actually, let's discuss this tangent. I want to hear your thoughts on this. So some people will be like, "Hey man, I don't like drinking like heavy beers," and I'm like, "What do you mean heavy beer, bro?" And they're like, "Well, dark, into dark, well, yeah, dark, dark beer." And I'm like, "Just because it's dark does not mean it's heavy." It's one of my biggest pet peeves. Oh yeah, <laughs> I so, knew I knew I was in good company so, here. So I had, like, a, I had a feeling. So I yeah. would much rather. There's certain dark beers I would prefer to drink on a hot summer day mm-hmm. than like a double or a triple IPA. Right, and so that's my point though. And so, but some people will stay away from any kind of dark beer in any kind of warm weather mm-hmm. because they think that it's quote unquote heavy and i'm like buddy pal you're crushing a pastry boy that thing's like 10.2 percent and had like snack cakes like of various varieties thrown into it do you know and how literally it poured like the snack cake was they, coming out with I, it yeah. it's like when i used to work in the brewing room like, i literally watched the cellar boy dump a massive bag of lactose in there do you know how heavy that is buddy and yeah. they're like oh and it's just their head explodes <laughs> and i'm like they're like, I won't drink Guinness in summer. And I'm like, but you'll drink a 10% pastry boy. It doesn't yeah. make sense. No. Like, so You know, tell people that don't want to drink Guinness in summer, drop, you know, a little um, little car bomb action there. That'll go down nice and smooth. <laughs> well, so, so I only mean all of this to say that it's like at 7.3%, typically your higher ABV beers are going to be heavier. That's yeah. why, and by heavy, we're talking about gravity, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is the yeah. thing that we measure weight, right? Yeah. Like when I step on the scale, that's how much gravity is I'm, I'm <laughs> exerting. You know what I mean? That's how, right? If we want to talk about like the physics of it and like yeah. the forces. Yeah. And it's like, so again, so this is a heavier beer, mm-hmm. theoretically speaking, than like the 5% Guinness. But you won't drink the Guinness because it's black. What does that say about you, bro? I actually, I actually, I actually had, I actually had that in my head, and I'm like, I'm not gonna say it. I'm, I'm not gonna, gonna say it. it. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna say, say it. it. And then Chris said it. I'm gonna say it. Uh, I'm gonna say it. But so, but my point though, all you know, all joking aside, like that, you know, all that other stuff's not a joke. I'm not saying it's a joke. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, my point is, is like. This one drinks light. Though, yeah, too. it drinks light at yeah. 7.3. Yeah. Like, I don't. It feels very refreshing. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm on the beach. This is a fair summer beer. This would be good if it, it came out again in that time. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I, I mean, to each their own. But my own personal preference is I'm a huge summer sour person. Because mm-hmm. they're just so refreshing. The tartness. Oh, yeah. Um, I just really like drinking them. I usually drink them in conjunction with seltzers. Because, yeah. like, seltzers I'm have sh- become my new summer drink. I like the seltzers. I like the shandies. Yeah. With shandy guy. Oh, in the shandy. Summer. Yep. Shandy's a yeah. good, good summer beer. Yeah, I like I like the can art on this one, and then Alan, it checks all the boxes for uh, the Ball Guy I, beer review. We have yet another impeccably placed date. Yes, look at that. You can even I, read the I time. I do prefer yeah. my dates on the bottom, but I can I like them on the side as well. I like yeah, my so, dates where I can read them. Yeah, so that, that, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I feel like that's one of the reasons you can read it better because it is on the side. Yeah, fair. Because you know you're hitting a smooth surface that's probably easier to hit. Then through like a concave, you know, little. Well, Seth. So that's another big part of the quality. Pro, um, yes. You need yeah. to have those dates on the cans, uh, and it—it's so important. And I feel like people are looking at dates more now. Um, I, I still don't think everybody looks at dates, but I will not buy beer that doesn't have a date on it. Unless I know that for uh, unless I somehow know that it was packaged recently, but if if you don't have a date on there, I'm like I I don't know. So okay. certain think, certain styles, yeah. I'll, I'll, See, that's I'll what I was slide, gonna say. Like if if this was on the shelf and I really want to try the sour, I'm not gonna care if there wasn't a date on no, it. Sours have a very longer shelf life than most beer styles. Right. My eight week yeah. rule really only yeah. applies. I really only apply that to IPAs. IPAs is really yeah. where like I kind of fixate on it and then you know may, maybe like when you start getting to some of the the adjunct like stouts maybe maybe well i'm Dep- also depending on the maybe. adjuncts like yeah. the coffee can drop off and things like that yeah but, but I'm, I'm a huge proponent of when i like so certain companies will do their own um their own little code mm-hmm. so like the code means something to them but you don't oh, know yeah, what it yeah. means yeah. um some companies will put they'll put the best buy date i'm like you don't tell me nothing. No, I hate don't that. tell me when you're <laughs> so much. Bye. Yeah. Because, like, like, because that doesn't tell me anything. No, it doesn't. You know what I mean? Because that's is, your, is that's that, your opinion. Is that yeah. the day after I pour it down the drain, or is it just in your mind slightly undrinkable? Then? Right. That's what I mean. Like, and I don't like. There's that. a there's reason not that connotation they do that, to though. it. Okay. Right. Do you know? Do you have any insight on this? Yeah. You put a Best Buy date on there when you know that your beer is going to sit on the shelf longer. It's that simple. Ooh, <laughs> got it. I can see like the little sound waves Some of on the it, recording. The, the original, the original Best Buy dates came from Boston Beer Company, where they had the little notch. If you see, you know, it's October and this little notch is there. Don't buy our beer. Tell us, we'll come yeah. take it back from the store. No, I now that being said, I, that that's a little bit of a harsh statement. Um, but I think, but that, it's the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, I, I think there are some, I think it's more rare, but I think there are some breweries that do put Best Buy dates that have like actual good metrics on their Best Buy dates. Okay. And, and that's fair, and, but I don't know who they are. No, I agree. I <laughs> yeah. completely agree. Um, and, and, they, and they're doing it because 
their the the consumer might not be as knowledgeable as your slightly more advanced craft beer drinker or somebody that's in the industry that has an idea of how long these beers should last. It's, so they're helping tell the consumer like. But let me. So hey. if you're like a novice, let's say you're a novice like car person, and you're going to go to the store and buy a part. One part may be better quality and not have a warranty, and the one with the warranty might be worse quality, but some person might buy the one with the warranty because they're feeling good about it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the best by date. You have two beers and you know, maybe they're brewed in a certain amount of time. And this one's telling you, well, this one's best by this date. And you're like, well, I got some time. I trust this. It makes me feel safe, warm and cuddly. But you know what though? That's not me. I'm on my Mel Gibson, like freedom shit. (laughs) Right. So like, don't make a choice. I don't, you don't make a choice for me. King of England. I'm just, I'm just saying that's you, but like the average consumer, you know, That's making them buy with some confidence in their mind until they get burned. But I would yeah. rather just read the date. So, again. I, I okay, agree with EO, you that. EO I'm, 9, not, I'm not going off a of Best Buy. But here I am. I'm going yeah. off I know, of but here I am. I EO9 see. Dream Machine, right? We can, we can reveal it here. Can date, 29 December 2021. This was canned last year, god dang it. But guess what, though? <laughs> it's only like five, five, six, maybe. It just hit six weeks. Yeah, so uh, mm, twenty nine, yeah, something like yeah, six, yeah, 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 so, yeah, but, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I can make my own judgment now, yeah. and so this brings me to something but we talked about. This particular beer, it's not a great example, but I understand what fair, you're saying. Fair, fair, yeah. but but we were talking about this right before uh, the podcast started. I was like, hey, there's a story, right? So I went to a convenience store, which shall not be named, that is conveniently located just after the tolls on I ninety three. All right, is so it run by the state. Or a common person? Well, there is a... Yes, it is run by a common person. Anyways, um, so I'm at the store, and I'm looking at dates, and not only am I... So they've been great with their craft beer selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a lot of different types, and, yeah. they, and they really, really go... They're, they're I actually homers. say they have a lot more than I expected them to have. And they're the homers, dude. They're, they're total homers. Like, right? So this this is a New Hampshire chain, and so almost every New Hampshire brewery mm-hmm. is is well represented there, like multiple. You, you almost have to be because that is a prime stopping point going north. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm really like excited about all of that. Bro, I'm looking at some of these candidates, and I'm not even kidding you. I'm seeing 2020 out there. No. Yeah. On what styles? I'm talking about like, I saw an April 2020, a May 2020, and this was all, but all right. So the filming of, or the, the recording of this episode is February 8th, 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was mm, probably late November, okay. 2021, but you're still talking about like, but what's that? Oh, sorry. Not 2020, about, 2021, man. Okay. I'm okay. Old. I was okay. like 2020. That changed, I'm like, that changes damn style. Like, if there may be but, some stuff but, 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 but that's why like, I was like, I'm like, what's the style though? But it was is like it? eight, dude, it was like eight, nine months. And I'm like, what yeah. is this beer still doing here, man? Yeah. Because so in addition to my, my now it should be infamous slash famous, like eight week rule for Nipahs. Mm-hmm. I'm like totally on my like six months, pull it all. Unless there's some it's, sort of specific reason. Not to. Yeah. No, it does. But I'm talking about like, Hey man, if I'm buying a, well, all right, that's a discussion for a whole nother Because there's certain you know beers, you know, about, like yeah. there's certain yeah, beers that will age, buy barrel age. Yeah, yeah. You know, they drop a couple cases in the back room and, oh, yeah. you know, they break it out every year. You get your verticals. Yeah. So yeah. there's certain things, you know, you're actually, you're not increasing the value by much because I think the last time you saw like a 
2020 beer versus 2022, you're talking like 50 cents difference sometimes yeah, but correct in the price. Me if I'm, but correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm misremembering this from my own quality training, um, like when you barrel age a beer, right? We were just talking about how dissolved oxygen has a terrible yeah. effect on a, on a beer. Mm-hmm. But in sometimes that, that can actually be desirable in certain stouts. Sometimes it'll make it taste like, like sometimes it's like sherry or something sometimes like that. Sometimes like or, wild fermentations too, you'll get. Yeah, you'll get other weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's a whole nother like super complex and complicated discussion yeah. that I don't, I don't know anything really about. Yeah. But I have a rudimentary, but that's why those beers are ageable. But circling all the way back, I'm still on my Mel Gibson Braveheart. Like, let me know what the date it was born on, and I will make the decision on yeah. whether I think it's appropriate that I should buy it. Yeah. So, Not when you tell me it's Best Buy. So this is a question most people will ask, is you'll hear people that like West Coast IPAs, and like they'll talk like Dogfish Head 120 Minute, and they'll age those. Because they're dumb. So that beer specifically is... I think it's a little disingenuous that it's marketed as an IPA because it's essentially a barley wine. Yeah. So, yes, that beer is ageable. Uh, It's not really – you can call it an IPA. It's a a barley wine. It's a barley wine. Right. So they pulled the one-two switcheroo on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I personally am not a fan of that the classic style. Classic one too. Like, yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? They're moving the cups around. And yeah. There's yeah. nothing under any of the cups. You got swindled. So so, <laughs> thing, so things like that are though cause confusion to the average person. Yeah. Because they're like, well, I can age that. Why can't I age this? Let's mm-hmm. give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And then you have people telling you eight month old Swish drinks as good as ever. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Eight month old Swish guy, you're wrong. <laughs> You're just flat out. I'd be like, why didn't you show me a picture of that eight month old switch without Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna bring the mic real close to my mouth so you know that I'm talking right to you. Hey buddy, I got an expert right here. He says you're wrong, I say you're wrong. Guess what? You're wrong. Well I guess I'm not I guess I'm not gonna Facts share. don't care about your feelings, bud. I, I was I was planning on sharing episode ten, but I think episode ten will not get shared on that page. But never I know. I absolutely think it should be. And I think it should be shared personally to I think, his inbox. I think there's more people that feel the same way you do about said person as well. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know said person. He's a bully. I would not. Dr- I, I like Swish. I think it's a great beer. He's a bully. Um, he talks down to people. I would. I would not drink an eight month old Swish. Um, I have. have I have drank an eight month old Swish, and I would not do it again. There you have it. I brought an expert that confirms my <laughs> echo chamber opinion <laughs> on my own personally run show, yeah. and then just basically paraded around as a complete one hundred percent fact. You've heard it right here. <laughs> this was peer reviewed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. By by me. Meta analyses. Come on. Yeah. Conducted by so, Alan. Yeah. So sign off. Here we go. So let's talk some Dream Machine. What are you coming in with a rating, Chris? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. We for completely got off topic of that. We got off of that. I'm gonna go eight one. I man, I really like. Oh, this wow. I, I I will did. say I'm gonna tell you right now this was on the good orange side. So I'm going to give it a good score as well. I'm not in the eights, but I'm close. I'm going to go with a 7.9 on this one. Nice. 7.9. And Seth, I'm assuming you give this a thumbs up. I will give it a thumbs up, yes. this I brewed and wrote the recipe for this beer. Cool. So oh. Seth gives it a thumbs and up. I with very a winky, much appreciate with, it. With a winky face. <laughs> glad, glad the winky face. Now it's well done, man. 8.1 is, I, I think we've only. We 8.1 eight eight is yet. the highest sour right yeah, now. I really like this one, man. It's I do. I dig it. 
I don't. And so we've had some sours too on here. I don't here. really get any of the orange with it. But I got, again, well, different palettes, it depends though. on the your taste because the raspberry and the orange, you know, it, it depends what you pick up. I pick up orange in anything that it's in, and I root that I don't hate it. And this was far from hating. It was quite good. Yeah, yeah. The the raspberry is definitely more dominant. Uh, and I mean, if you if you just eat a raspberry and eat an orange, I mean. Raspberry has such a potent flavor for being such a small berry, you know. Yeah, yeah but um, that this goes okay, okay again though. Yeah. Disclaimer, and I like I like to bring this up constantly, and I think it needs to be brought up constantly. Like that, that's my palate. That's what it's, no, exactly. It's, especially and we all when have you talk different palates, you know? especially when you yeah. talk sours, because you know the the fruit taste is such different to everybody. It really is. Yeah, so. yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, there, there's a lot in this beer. It's it's. I mean, you read the description earlier. I mean, come on. There's I mean, a lot of different things going on there. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. All right. So we're almost an hour and a half into this. I think this is also now <laughs> this, our, our, our... We set a new ball guy beer review yeah, record. Yeah, we Beautiful set a new record beer. here. So with that being said, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a like on Instagram. Follow us on Spotify only. We're exclusive to Spotify, much like Joe Rogan, only they're not <laughs> paying us for it. Hopefully, when they cut them loose, they can uh, free up some of that budget. Send it our way. Yeah, definitely. Feel free. Um, you know, send us a message. You got a beer you want us to try, brew you want us to review. Let us know. And then Seth, you want to give a shout out to your podcast, yes. which we will also be on. Exactly. Yeah, coming up uh, pretty soon. So I also have a podcast and a co-host, and it is called Thirst for Knowledge Podcast. You can follow us at TFK Pod on all your social media as well as find our podcast on pretty much every podcast platform. Um, BGBR is just pretty lazy. I think it, Red Circle puts us out on a couple other ones, but I just <laughs> I didn't want to list them all, so I'm like, no. eh. yeah. It's yeah. just a weird random shout-out. I want to give a shout-out to Seth's Choice and the Brooks Running Shoes. Great choice. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, I, I have used the to same be, exact pair. I used to be a Mizuno guy, but in the past couple of years, I switched over to Brooks. Brooks so. Ghost for the win. Yep. If you want to hear more about that Brooks topic, Ghost tune into Seth's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I noticed, we'll talk, we'll I noticed this shoes. at minute five, and I'm like, i got to remember to say this. <laughs> All right, I just got one more thing. If yeah, you send like it. beer stuff, um, Thirst for Knowledge podcast, every 10 episodes of the podcast, we do an episode on the history of beer. And we're almost done our series. It's been a big, uh, a big series that we've been doing. The um, we've gone back to 7,000 BC, and we're pretty much in modern beer times now. We've got one more episode coming out, and just in time for the bald guys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably have to shave my head for yeah. that one. So yeah. we're we're finally nice in clean. present day, and I suggest going checking those episodes out. All right. Well, Excellent. you heard it from the man. We'll see you all later. Goodbye. Thank you.